Yep, we're live. <laughs> we got that bit right. <laughs> yeah. Good evening. Welcome to the third and short podcast, or as it's more commonly known these days, third and short overtime. Um, welcome to us. Uh, this week we're going to be breaking down the AFC South division. I'm joined by the usual suspects. I've got Jordan to my right. I'm not sure I'll get this. Oh. Right. I've got Jordan to my right on the top. Got Bones, the producer extraordinaire, below me. That's how I'm still on the show, actually. And, uh, and and in the bottom right, we got uh, the Geordie preacher, Mark Steele. So tonight we're going to be talking about the AFC South. Um, let's open up the same way we did last week. We talked about the NFC East, and we said, you know, what does the NFC East mean to you, football-wise? What does the AFC South mean? Because it's kind of a division without an identity for me. So I'm interested to see what you guys think. I took it over to Jordan first. What do you think of the AFC South? No, it's um, exactly what you said. Um, I think in the last few weeks we've spoken about rivalries and like history, and this is the, the total opposite, isn't it? Really, um, I think it were formed in early two thousands, wasn't it? And obviously, you've got two expansion teams and teams that have changed their name constantly, and you've you've only got Colts who've won a Super Bowl in there, so it's it's totally different to what we've been talking about over the years. But they've still, obviously, they've still got. Um, like, even though it's a short history, you've got obviously at the Colts. When I think of um, the AFC South, I can't help but think of um, Manning, you know, Peyton Manning at Indianapolis Colts, really, to be honest with you. I know it's like not as a deep meaning as the rest of them, but it's the thing that I automatically think of and what he did with. with <laughs> yeah, traditionally, it's kind of always been a Colts division, hasn't it? Historically, it's only sort of maybe the last five years or so that it hasn't necessarily been like that. What about you, Bones? What do you... I'm, I'm inclined to agree, to be honest. Like, it is, it's for the reasons Jordan said it is. I was going to say, like, there's two teams in there that have changed their names numerous times and moved cities numerous times, which tends to hurt your identity. And then there's expansion teams. It's a really young, it's a really young division. It doesn't have the storied history of a lot of the NFC divisions and what they have. Like, yeah. So we're thinking a pretty nomadic division then. What about you, Mark? Anything good to say about this division? We're struggling a bit here, to be honest. <laughs> well, it's, 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 there's nothing really much you can say other than that's being said. Other than, other than media, this is a division, obviously because of the age of it and how long it's been formed and the teams are in there, which is relatively young. And to look back for any level of consistency from this division, you're going back to like Peyton Manning when he was there at the Colts and you saw this division regularly competing in AFC Championship games and having deep runs in the playoffs. Since Peyton Manning left the Colts and went on to Denver and then retired, this division's just struggled for a consistent champion, is what I would say. Over the last few years, you've had the Colts who have been peppered in whilst they had Andrew Luck, and now you've got the Titans coming in. You've had the Jags as recently as two or three years back winning, like winning this division. It's really, it's really a wide open one with no obvious candidate, is what I would say. Yeah, there's not like a historically, other than like you say, the Colts under Manning. There's not really a historical team that oh yeah, they always win that division. And you're right, I think it lacks a bit of identity because obviously the Titans used to be the Oilers, so that's a name change, and the Texans were an expansion franchise. All those kind of things that just it doesn't have the history of the other divisions for me. But what it does have. Well, I was going to say four good teams, but that's an outright lie. It's got three good teams. Uh, I'm covering the fourth one. So uh, <laughs> we'll worry about that when we have to cross that bridge. 
let's uh, let's open things up. Let's not waste too much time. Uh, we we had a bit of a division shift in trade over the weekend as well, which I know I expect Jordan will talk about when he covers the Titans. But uh, we're going to open up with the Colts, and that is over to our friend Bones, who is actually doing a good team for once. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, for once, I get to talk about a good team, like you say, but. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I got to talk a little bit about the Eagles losing Frank Reich last week, and now I'm getting to talk about Frank Reich's new team. So, <laughs> and their recent acquisition of the quarterback that Frank Reich offensive coordinated, which is Carson Wentz, which I think is an interesting pickup for the Colts. I know it's not at the draft. I'm just going to touch on this early before I go into the draft stuff. Because I think the Wentz pickup's big for the Colts. We we already said ourselves like we feel the Colts are a quarterback away. They've got a good a good core behind them. You know they've got some good wide receivers with Michael Pittman Jr. Um, they've got is it Michael. Have I got that first name wrong? Maybe. Um, you've got they've got a solid running back core behind them because they've got Mac Himes and ah uh, yeah. Taylor. Taylor, that's it, yeah. The name escaped me for a second. So that I think that's pretty good. Um, I think I think Wentz is at this point, like Philip Rivers at one point was a really good quarterback, I guess. But I think at this point, Wentz is an objective upgrade over Rivers last year. Like, not, it's nothing against Rivers, but the guy, the guy was getting on a bit when he retired. Like, and he just didn't have the, he doesn't have the arm strength that Wentz has. He, he's not as maneuverable as Wentz is. Like. I think we said it before, like, Wentz could do well here. I know he didn't do well at the Eagles, per se, like, well, not the whole time he was at the Eagles, at least anyway. But, yeah, I definitely think it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll see the Colts' offense be a bit more unpredictable this year with Wentz under centre rather than Rivers, because Rivers would consistently stay in the pocket and throw out of the pocket. Um, Whereas Wentz, we know, has the legs, can play a bit more play action, can play rollouts, can play... Uh, can play bootlegs. I mean, I think, yeah, I definitely think that's a big thing for them. Going on to the draft, though, I think they had some needs coming into the draft, the Colts. I don't think, I think they're one of the teams that did have needs. And the one big need that they had that everyone is talking about, it seems, on the side of the Colts is they didn't really address left tackle in the draft. And I know since, since the draft, they have made a signing at tackle, which at least stems off the need to draft someone for a year, but they did they did not draft a left tackle this year. But looking into it, it was it was interesting to see how round one, by the time they were on the board, pick twenty one, you only tackle option left was Darishaw, I think, at that point. Which he's not a bad tackle, but it's the third best tackle in the class, whereas Quitty Pay had managed to fall to number twenty one and they managed to snag, you know, one one of, if not the best defensive end defensive edge in the class, like at pick 21 like you would have thought we the predictions prior to the draft had him gone quite early i don't i, I don't think many people predicted him fall into the colts in the end um but i think there was some sort of was there was a health thing on the day of the draft i remember popping up here and there that might have made him fall a little bit um but yeah that's that's a really good pickup for for the colts i heard somewhere that supposedly he can get a sub 5 Five time, I think he ran a five-five-seven on his forty, uh, his forty-yard dash. But there's talk that Quitty Pay can get even faster than that. But he had a really good pro day. Um, they then went back to back defensive edge though with um, 
I mean, I can. I'm looking at his name right now, and I'm I'm going to try a day. Odeyingbo, Odeyingbo. It's a tough. It's a tough surname. Um, a defensive a end. Time. Um, again, but big Achilles injury in January, really. For that, I think it's part of the reason he fell because I think coming into the earlier this year, this guy was much higher up on everyone's board than where he ended up going. Um, he, yeah, he suffered an Achilles injury, which, as we know, some some players don't ever come back from. Um, Sorry, I've just forgot to change the thing. Um, yeah, some players don't come back from an Achilles injury, man. Like that, that can be a killer. That could you, you can never play the same again. Um, but it tells you how much the Colts owners and the general manager must have must have liked this player to be to be this to be that determined to draft him, even with a major Achilles injury this year that he's still got to come back from. The, they must really like this player and must think, you know, that he's going to be worth it. And I know the Colts are supposedly one of these teams that they tend to draft more on personality and player fit necessarily than measurables. Measurables, I guess quite a few measurables are coachable is a thing. Like we, we say this about certain stuff like hands, you know, that kind of issue with the player is coachable that can be coached out. So, uh, yeah, I do think... I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a bad pick. I know a lot of people had question marks in this round two, but again, in round two, all the tackles again, the round two prospects went quite quickly. You had Eichenberg was still on the board and when Radden, Radens Radens was still yeah. on the board till just before one pick before the Colts managed to get a tackle. So yeah, I just don't. I don't think it worked out for them this year, and they they went for better available positions and. Whilst it was a big need for them, sometimes there is you just gotta accept that the ones you were going for are gone and try and get something else rather than reach for the next available tackle. Um, so they had no round three pick because of the Carson Wentz trade. And just to touch on that again, the Colts got really good value for Wentz, didn't they? I know it's a monster contract, isn't it? Is the thing that they had to get someone to take on, but they only gave up a third and a conditional second next, like a third this year and a conditional second next year to get Carson Wentz. I think that's, I think that's pretty good value on a trade, to be honest. Like I don't think that's a bad trade value. Um, so yeah, they had no round three pick. The tight end in round four, though, I think is an interesting pick. I think that's maybe one of the the ones we could watch for in the Colts offense this year. Definitely. Like um, he looks, a lot of people saying he looks more like a oversized wide receiver. He's like the same height as Megatron, basically. Like he's a big, he's a tall dude, but he's not necessarily the weight of your average tight end. He's a bit light at tight end, but if he's going to fit that sort of playmaker tight end style, he's not going to be blocking that much. He's going to fit in as a wide receiver extent. Like, I think he'll do quite well. I think, I think realistically, um, he could fit in in a in a multi role. Like he could be a versatile tool for the Colts' offense. I think there's a few places that have said you know he could he could fall into a running back role as a receiving running back. But we'll see. The Colts already have a pretty stacked running back room. I don't really see them slotting a tight end in there in a hurry for many situations. Especially like Hines is a good receiving tight. They're running back like. You know they don't really need another receiving running back, but I guess having them having that versatility of not knowing what exactly the formation they've come out in is could be good. So if they can mix them in a few other places just to give them that versatility, that could be pretty good for them. Um, 
Strachan, Strachan, the wide receiver later on, he, he's he got some interesting measurables. I know a lot of people are talking about him. He seems more like he's going to be just in a backup role, probably in case someone like Pittman goes down again. I think he seems similar in in size to that, and it should make it easy for easy for them to just slot him in should someone go down. Same with the quarterback they took this year, Sam. Uh, Sam? I think it was Sam Ellinger, um, quarterback. Yeah. Again, I think he's just been drafted to be Wentz's backup, basically, at least for now. I think compared to their other quarterback on the roster, who, Eason, I think I, I think that the new quarterback, the uh, Ellinger, fits replacing Wentz in the event of a serious injury better than Eason does. So, like... I don't think that's a bad pick. Like it's a sixth rounder for some depth. Like the safety they signed in the fifth, Davis, Sean Davis. Um, he'll probably play some special teams and stuff. I, he's got a lot to clean up before he's a starter on the defense. I think, and their defense is already quite young and pretty decent. I think they did need to address safety this year. Um, I think strong safety was a bit of a need for them. I had down cornerback as well. Didn't get much of a looking. Um, but yeah, and then eventually they did grab an offensive lineman with the last pick, Fries. Um, but he's projecting as a guard, so it still didn't really address the tackle concerns for a lot of Colts fans coming out of the draft. But then, let me say, they signed Eric Fisher to a one-year deal after losing Alex Costanzo in the offseason to retirement. And I think the problem with Fisher at this point is like he is also on the wrong well he's now on the wrong side of 30 i guess for an nfl player like he's probably in the same region as costanza costanza was 33 i think so he's he's not far off potential retirement they've only signed him to a one-year deal so i think they've basically they've just put off the inevitable for now i think they do definitely at some point need to address a, the tackle spot with a younger player but right now they seem to they seem set and you know, it's a one-year deal with a good. It's a it's a good tackle. He's just he took an injury last year, so hopefully he can stay. If he stays healthy, that'll be a good signing for them. I think. Um, all in all, I think the Colts are in a good spot. They went eleven and five last year. I think. I I don't think the. I don't think they had any major upgrades. Particularly, I think the defensive ends were necessary. I think that they've got a nasty different pass rush now, and I think that's big for winning games. We've already said it. I look at how teams like the Bucks. Um, teams like the Bucks um, won the Super Bowl with a strong pass rush. So two two defensive ends, especially if you know it gets healthy with the Achilles injury. Um, I think yeah, I think the Colts are in a good spot to maybe do better this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a similar result, but Carson Wentz could make a bigger difference. You know, I, I, yeah, I think they'll be an interesting team to watch. I think they've definitely got a shot of being in the playoffs this year. I think they did improve. I just don't. It just—it's not one of those again that jumps out as you as wow. This is a massive improvement across the board. It's—it's it's some sensible picks, you know. It, there's there's depth here. There's a starting tight end. There's a couple of potential starters at defensive end. But overall, you get a couple of starters and a special teamer out of your draft. You've done well, and I think that's where the Colts are. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. I think there's, to my mind, there's two major storylines coming out of the Colts after the off season. One is the draft. They didn't perhaps get the tackle they wanted, as you said, but I think what Chris Ballard does very well, and for me, he's one of the best GMs in the in the league. He um, he sticks to the board. He drafts the best player available, or at least the best player that fits on the team. And I think um, you know taking pie or pay or however the hell you're supposed to pronounce it was was 
a top move. You know, it's it's a pass it's a pass rusher. Um, mm. I think it makes a big difference. So that's that's kind of one of the storylines what they did with the first round pick. The biggest storyline though is probably Carson Wentz because basically the the season kind of rests on his arm really after after last season. Rivers took them about as far as I think he feasibly could have hoped to have done. And now it's like, can he be an upgrade? Is he an upgrade? I don't know. I think, oh, sorry, go on. I think I do think he is. I just wanted to touch on that one last time. I do think he is. I think he's got a stronger arm than Rivers, and I think he's more mobile. I do think he's a better multi-threat quarterback than Rivers was. But we'll yeah, I, I think I would broadly say the same thing. I think uh, he's going to a coaching staff that knows him well. I think if anybody can get good performance out of him, it's that coaching staff. But I'll throw the question out to... Uh, to the rest of the group, uh, Mark, what 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 are you thinking about the Colts? Are you a fan of Wentz? Do you think he'll have a good season? I think that Wentz is an upgrade on Philip Rivers because I've seen Wentz in 2017 when he had legitimate MVP form, and I'm not too sure what happened in Philadelphia after that. I know he got injured and Falls came in and they won the Super Bowl with Falls, but Wentz was having a lights out season before that. I think what we've got to remember as well is, is that offensive line in Philadelphia was just abysmal. It was falling down all around and we was under pressure a lot. They were running loads of um, RPO in Philadelphia, which isn't Wentz's game. I don't know where that came from. You know, like, um, and, and and I think they took away best what, what Wentz was doing in those latter years at Philadelphia. I think Frank Wright will have him back to playing good football. I said it last week off there. If I was picking a bet in this conference and if I was picking a really long shot bet, I wouldn't mind sticking a couple of quid on Wentz to be the MVP for the season. You know, like I think it was something like 50 to 1 or something ridiculous. But you could do a lot worse than just stashing £2 on Wentz or, or £5 on Wentz to be MVP. Um, because he's got the tools around him to have a good year. Although there is concern about that offensive line. I just want to come back to Quickly Pierre. I loved Quickly pay in the draft i really i was a big fan of quickly pay and one of the reasons why i was such a fan of quickly pay is because the boy's like a natural freak of nature he's 272 pounds he's six up four he ran a 40 time in 4.57 4.57 he ran his 40 time in he did a three cone in 6.37 now, to give you some kind of perspective on that, Calvin Ridley, who's a wide receiver, about 72 pounds lighter and plays in a skilled position, ran a three cone in 6.88. So he's running a three cone in a set half a second faster than a wide receiver. So this lad's freak and he's strong. He had 36 bench press reps. You know what I mean? No, this, like, this, this, this kid for me was arguably edge one. You know what yeah. I mean? In the draft. And what I like about him is that Michigan, he got better year upon year. I still think his best football is long ahead of him. I think he's going to round into a really good player by year one, by the end of year one. If not year round, year two, you're going to start seeing some production from him. I really like Quickly Pay. Now, the debate is do you take a left tackle? Do you take Quickly Pay? I would have argued you could have got your left tackle in round two. They went and got Eric Fisher, who's injured. He's, I don't mm. think Eric Fisher will play until after the bye week. And I don't know when that bye week is. But I'll be surprised if he's fit at all before, like, week 10. You know what yeah. I mean? Because he's, he's got a bad injury. And, and players don't come back from his injury quite as easy, especially in that line. It's, 
Achilles injury, I think it is, which is a terrible injury for a left tackle, especially when you're six foot seven and over 300 pounds, and, every, and all your weight's going back onto your Achilles is you're kicking back for a pass block. It's an awful injury to have. No wonder the Chiefs cut them off. You know, but they're pinning their hopes on, well, maybe he'll be back for the playoffs, and the Chiefs have got nothing else at left tackle. Um, plus points about their team. I love Jonathan Taylor, the running back who they drafted in the second round last year. He got 1,000, nearly 1,200 yards in his rookie year. I think it was 1,169 was his yardage in his rookie year. At 11 TDs, he averaged five yards a carry. You know what I mean? If you fall behind to this team, this team can suffocate the life out of you. They'll just, this guy's a big lad, he's strong, you'll run the ball, they've brought Mac back. You know what I mean? They've got a decent committee in that backfield. Wentz will have a lot of pressure on him. Of course he will, he's a quarterback. But there's more around him in this team to take the pressure off. A lot more there. He's not going to be asked to pass the ball as often as Doug Pedersen was putting the ball in his hands. You know, they're going to be a run-first team. That's what they're built to do. And they've got a really good suffocating. No big names, obviously, outside of, you know, like Leonard and Buckner on defence. But they've just got such a workman-like productive defence who are good. You know what I mean? They've got Rocky Asin. They've got Xavier Rhodes. They've got uh, Buckner, who we just mentioned. They've got Leonard. You know, they've got a, they've got a good team. They've got a good defence. They're returning a lot of them parts, and they've added to offence. Um, yeah, I think I think that if these if these can have a run, and they can surprise a few teams in the way into the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts were there in the EFC Championship at the end of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were there in the EFC Championship playing the the Chiefs. I'm presuming. But I think they've got an upset to win them. And I think Wentz will, will be pleasantly surprised from Wentz this year. Yeah, I think I think you made some good points. I think, um, for me, like the, they always seem to be in a bit of a state of flux for me, especially after Luck retired. And it is hard because you, you draft somebody number one overall, you, you probably think he's going to be franchise quarterback for the next decade. That didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Um, since Ballard's come in, they've just done sensible things and they built a sensible, solid team for me. I think there's, you know, I think there's, I think as you said, there's not a whole lot of outstanding, well known players on that team. There isn't somebody who's like a media darling. There's not somebody that's going to be on NFL Network every week and like show it up in highlight plays, but it's a team that plays good, solid football and plays it well. And I agree, when it gets to the playoffs, those are the teams that generally succeed. So, I've got them going pretty far this year as well. Um, what about you, Jordan? What are you thinking about the Colts? Um, I think you, you all hit on everything that I, I'd agree with, really. You know, I think um, I've got no qualms at all with their uh, with the defense. I think it's a it's solid defense, and you saw that last season. Like Mark mentioned, a few players there. You've got like Rocky Son, Zaria Rhodes, Kenny Moore. Bobby Akareke and and it's just I love that I love, I do really like the defense for here. I think the the big concern is going to be that offensive line. But if Carson Wentz can hit his form, you know what we saw in Philadelphia, if they give him enough time, he's got plenty of weapons there. 
T.Y. Hilton's coming to the back end of his career now, but he, he's, he's still a solid target. Look out for Paris Campbell, obviously. I really like this guy, and mm. he's, he's suffered a lot with injuries, really. In the first game last year, you looked like it was going to be the second year where it's like, hey, up, this guy's going to be good, and obviously took a, a nasty injury in the second game. Hopefully, he can come back from that. And, and like, um, like Mike said, that running back room is just made for handing it off to whoever you want. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's your main guy, but we know Marlon Mack and Hines and even Jordan Wilkins can do a job there. They've got a fantastic running room, running back room there. So, yeah, I think it's going to be that. It's going to be the big thing. And it obviously, you touched on Eric Fisher. It's going to be the the offensive line. And if they give them some kind of a job where they can protect Carson Wentz, you know, obviously it's not going to be all the time, but certain things, that they can go really far. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I definitely think the Wentz pick is it. The Wentz signing is like it's going to give the it's going to make them a bit more dynamic on the offense. I think like definitely think Rivers didn't give them any options to sort of run with the quarterback. And like you say, if the running back room's already good, having that option to hand it like protect like do a play action or a, a quarterback option and have the quarterback run the play. Like I, I do, I do think it's it's going to be different for them. I think it's going to be good for them. I think they were already a good team. I've got a, I mean, another solution to the left tackle problem because I don't think Eric Fish has the answer. I don't think he's going to be fit enough. I don't see him being fit until week ten at least. You know what I mean? So the other option is: did it take Quentin Nelson and did they move him from left guard to left tackle? Now, they've got history of doing this. Braden Smith, who was a right tackle, was a right guard. You know, like in this, and he's now probably in the top 10 right tackles in the NFL. He's, he's a very, very solid right tackle. Do you take an all-pro future Hall of Fame left guard and do you go, we'll put you at left tackle? Because I'm betting he'd work there. I'm betting he'd work there because I don't want that. If I was the Colts... And seeing how Carson Wentz struggled in Philadelphia, the lineup was collapsing around him. It's no good. I, I would be moving. You need. I would be trying Quentin Nelson out there at left tackle. I'd, there was I'm, some I'm talk pet- of that. There was some yeah. talk of that when they drafted him. Um, I, I wouldn't be adverse to doing that. I guess it's what you think you lose inside, but you're better off having a, a good player at left tackle than you are a, a great player at right, uh, left guard, aren't you? I suppose that's the. That's the question for them, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, Sam Tebby got Mullard last year. Got Mullard at left tackle, and he's not the answer. They couldn't have seen anything that tells them he's the answer. But with Eric Fisher injured as he is, Sam Tebby's going to be starting at least the, 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 the first portion of the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is what they did in the draft sort of an indictment of the lack of like pure left tackles in the draft? Because I think you know pretty what? much... Most of the tackles, I feel like we all said, eh, maybe the right tackles, you know, maybe they'll play inside. I don't think, other than Sewell, I, I, I'm struggling to think of anybody we, we definitely thought was like a pure left tackle. And even Sewell probably won't start his career at left tackle, depending on what you do with uh, Decker. So I don't know, is that is that just a function of what was available in the draft, do you think? Unless they'd moved up to get one of those tackles. The Colts didn't have any options left, really, by the time it got to round one, pick 21. Yeah, they could have gone out and maybe got Eichenberg. Or the, I think the only one they had was Darishaw, and Darishaw does project as right tackle, doesn't he? Like, or he plays right tackle, I think. He's not like yeah. he's not typical left tackle. Like, But I think 
Yeah, and then by the time I got to their pick in the second, Eichenberg, Raddens, and someone else as well that plays offensive tackle was also gone. Like, it, it just was one of those situations where, yeah, they could have reached to get the tackle they needed this year, or they could take best player available. And I think they did go best player available, at least in round one they did. Round two, yeah. I best player available on their board, at least. I would have took pay round one. I think they did the right decision taking pay round one. The question is round two. You know, they went back and got another pass rush around two. We're sitting on their death chart at the moment, fourth or fifth in the line. They could have got a starter there. They could have got James Hudson, you know, like who's a developmental tackle prospect. You know what I mean? No, they could have had, a, I forgot the lad's name. Someone remember reminders. The left tackle who came out of Brigham Young University. Um, the one who was Christiansen, one of Yeah, Brady Chris, that's it. Braden Christiansen. They could have got him. You know what I mean? And they would have had a body there at least. There was options to go along the line. They must have seen something they liked in the Vanderbilt lad. I mean, he's 280 odd pounds and he's about six foot six. He's got his <laughs> intangibles, you know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. maybe they're thinking we'll stick an extra 20 pounds on him and we'll play him at left tackle. I don't know. Like, you know? But, but I, think, I think it wasn't the fact that they went pay round one. I think it's the fact that they doubled down at end and got another one in round two. Now, look, you know, Chris Ballard's made his name out of the draft and he's been a terrific young GM. Yeah. wouldn't surprise me if in three years' time they've got two old pro bloody edge players, you know what I mean? <laughs> all looking at this going, what a great draft class that was. But the truth of the matter is, is Pierre was a good pick. Doubling down is, is questionable, especially with that left tackle position in such flux. Yeah, I feel like they're just one of those teams that will always go BPA regardless of what anyone else thinks. And like you say, Ballard's made his name doing that. So, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. And they do need to get that left tackle spot sorted out. It's probably, the, it's probably one of the most vital positions on an offense after quarterback. Probably the second most vital, actually, you know, in terms of protecting the, the blind side of the QB. So, I think that's my major concern with the Colts. But beyond that, Pretty happy. Yeah, I'd be pretty happy if I was a Colts fan right now. Yeah. Um, so, we got any more thoughts on the Colts, or shall we? Shall we move on? All good. Right. So we're we're moving over to Jacksonville next. A big, exciting uh, changes in the franchise. Urban Meyer coming in as head coach. Slightly less exciting. Trent Bolt coming in as GM, and um, and drafted Trevor Lawrence first overall. So. Let's cross over to the Geordie Preacher. What did what did you make of that for the Jaguars? What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm going to move on to the hiring of Urban Meyer and what I'm seeing there and just a little bit about Urban Meyer's career and history and why he's so loaded, but what the risks are and everything at the back end. I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence first of all. Now, the average NFL fan, all you've heard for the last six months, well, actually probably for the last year to be truthful, is tank for Trevor, tank for Trevor, tank for Trevor. And most, most of those who don't follow the draft will be going, what is it about this Trevor Lawrence? That is so good. The last the, the last time we probably had it was probably lose the look. You know what I mean? So we're going back to when Andrew Luck was in. You know what I mean? For a surefire quarterback prospect. Trevor Lawrence is as good as any quarterback I've ever seen come into the draft. You know, like from a pure college perspective, the guy's unreal. Now, people are going to be going, well, if he's that good, Mark, why did he not win three national championships in just one? You know what I mean? But I'm going to give you some of the reasons why Trevor Lawrence is so good. He's six foot six. He's 213 pounds, prototypical. 
In three years in Clemson, he had over 10,000 passing yards, threw for 90 passing touchdowns. This was just against 17 interceptions, and he rushed for a further 18 touchdowns. That's 108 touchdowns in three years from Trevor Lawrence alone. He won a national championship as a true freshman. His overall record for Clemson for three years was 34-2. and two. If you go back to his high school, played for a high school team called Cartersville in Georgia. He had two straight cha he had championships there. He had four regional championships there. He broke Georgia's state record for passing yards and touchdowns. It was previously held by Deshaun Watson. He had 41 straight high school victories and came in as a five-star number one rated prospect. When we're looking at prospects and you're looking at what, and then he's got leadership, he's got intelligence, he's got the arm to make all throws, he's mobile for the modern day game. He can handle a dressing room of big players like he did at Clemson. He can handle a change in playbook. He can play on a pro style system. He can drop back. He can play out a shotgun. When we're looking at like what his body of work is, this kid is as is as ready for the NFL as you can possibly get. You know, when I read through them statistics of his six-year career from high school to college, he's, he's transcended everything. The pressure was on him leaving high school, and he went into college and won the national championship on his debut year. He threw 10,000 passing yards in three seasons, over 10,000 passing yards in three seasons. You know, he was accountable for 108 touchdowns, 90 through the air, 18 on the ground for a modern day quarterback this is what if you could draw a modern day quarterback you'd be drawing trevor lawrence i don't joke and i don't see he hasn't thrown an nfl ball he's already a top 10 nfl quarterback that's without even throwing a pass you know the the, the kid is unbelievable the jets Made such an error winning, winning, you know, like, you know, because they were leading this chase. Trevor Lawrence will change your franchise. He will change your franchise. So the Jags have landed on a terrific prospect, had a great stroke of fortune for a team that struggled to find a quarterback, threw picks at Blake Bortles, landed on Gardner Minshew, has tried to make a host of players. You've now got a celebrated talent who's. Who, without an Andrew Luck kind of scenario, is going to be there for 15 to 20 years. He's brilliant. Great pick. Well done. You know, they, they came back and they got um, Etienne with their second pick. A little bit questionable until you realise who Urban Meyer is. And what Urban Meyer has, he has a history of gadget players, Percy Harvin, Braxton Miller. They all came through. Uh, Kurt Samuel, who's now at Washington, who we saw at the Panthers. They were all coached by Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer loves a gadget player. He loves one who can line up in the backfield and you don't know if he's going to be involved in the passing game and split him out in, in the slot or if he's going to be, you know, like um, he's going to be involved in the, as, as a running back. He's going to be featured as a running back. Travis at the end is going to fill that role within there. I'm sure that Urban Meyer is going to get creative with him. We'll probably see him a bit of running back. Probably see him a little bit in the slot. We'll probably see him on sweeps and all sorts of stuff. A little bit of wildcat and stuff like that. I really like the pick of Tyson Campbell. 
who the, the the cornerback that they took out of Georgia. I think he was a better cornerback than Eric Stokes. The other lad who went the first round, the Green Bay. The thing with Tyson Campbell is he's a junior. Came out here early. You know, and whilst he's well tested in the SAC, he was playing in his freshman year in 2018. You know, so as a true freshman, he was playing for Georgia. So he's got 2018, 2019, and 2020 under his belt. He's come out of a very good division in the NFL. He's athletic. He needs to he's to tidy up his footwork, but he's silky. He's a really good athlete. Unlike Eric Stokes, who was a senior, and you think he might be tapped out, what he is, he might be. Tyson Campbell's got a little bit of a trajectory left to go. So he's going to probably improve as a pro. Good pick up in the second round. Walk a Little is the interesting one. Now, many years might not have heard of Walk a Little. Walk a Little was a former five-star recruit who was the number one tackle prospect when he came out of high school. He went to Stanford, started left tackle, was really good. Then in the September of 2019, ligament injury. Hasn't played football since. Missed all of 2019, opted out 2020, finds himself being drafted in the second round, which is still high, which tells you how well thought of he is. But he hasn't played a snap since 2019. So by the time he comes into the pros, he hasn't played a snap for two years. But he's a good player if you go back to his 2018 tape. He's a left tackle. He excels in the vertical passing game at Stanford. He's ideal for what Trevor Lawrence wants. It's whether he's still that player. It's whether he's still that player. So there is some risks. Oh, have we lost him or what was happening there? It's frozen <laughs> up. It's frozen <laughs> up on us. Okay, well, I mean, I think... there is a few risks oh, in this team. I like what they did in the draft. Trevor. Sorry, cut out sorry, for a minute there. Microphone. Yeah, you were done for a bit. You're back now. <laughs> well, my computer's running a little, little bit glitchy. So, yeah, Travis, Travis at the end, Tyson Campbell, Walk a little. Four, they were their four picks in their first two rounds. Then they got Andre Cisco and Jay Tufele. Bit boomer bust. Uh, especially Cisco. He's either famine or feast. You know, like he's a deep safety, true deep safety. Makes a lot of balls on the play. He's actually a willing tackler. He's just a lousy tackler. You know what I mean? But if you can tidy up some of his game, he's a playmaker. The kid's a playmaker. If you look at statistics, he's an interception machine. He's going to blow some coverage. He's going to snag some coverages. Think Marcus Peters, but it's safety. And that's pretty much what you've got in Andrea Cisco. He's like a Marcus Peters, like a safety version of Marcus Peters. bit famine or feast. The player I'm interested is, is the round four pick, Smith. Now, Jordan Smith was originally put up by Florida, and he was kicked out of Florida for credit card fraud. And he ended up at Alabama, Birmingham for a period. But apparently, he cleaned his act up there. What he has got, he's got intangibles, and you can't coach, coach them. He's six foot six and 255 pounds. You know, he's, he is an edge, is going to be a very good player. So in the draft, they've had... They've got some surefire things, I think, but then it's very boom or bust, their draft, I would say. They've got Trevor Lawrence, who's a kneeled on dead sir. Well done. Pro balls in his future. Kid's going to be fantastic. By his third year as a pro, he's going to be a top five quarterback. He's entering the NFL as a top 10 quarterback. That's his, that's his, you know, that's where he's coming in at. 
Then you've got Travis at the end. He'll fill a role. If it's not a running back, he'll be a gadget. He's going to do well. He's a great player. He's got home run speed. Then you start hitting the boomer busts. Everything there on paper looks like but he's still got to do it and he's a junior. I'll back him to do it. Walk a little. If he comes back, they might have an old pro left tackle. You know, if he if he returns back with his five-star form, not landing him in, in, in Stanford, he might get injured all his career and you might be looking for another left tackle in three or four years. Kid might never play 17 games a season. Might never play 10 games a season. Andrea Cisco, what's he going to be? Are you going to get the feast or are you going to get the famine? Jay Tufali is a decent three-tech. Jordan Smith, background issues, but it's kind of put them behind them. So the draft is a little bit of a gamble. When you look at what they did in off-season, Marvin Jones have got from the from the uh, Detroit Lions. They've got LaVisca Chenault. You know, they've got a decent wide receiver core. What they have got is they've got nothing at tight end. And I'm really concerned about their, their trenches. Look, you don't get to pick first in the draft because you're a good team. You pick first because you're terrible. And regardless of put Trevor Lawrence in, you're still going to have holes. And their two holes at this moment in time is defensive line and offensive line. Neither of them look good. Neither of them look good. Um, we've got Cam Robinson, Slater coming at left tackle. That might change the walk a little. The defensive line, you know, they lost Calias Campbell a few years back. They've got players on there. They've got Caleb on chasing. They've got Josh Allen, but Guards are still to be proven, despite the fact that Josh Allen had a good rookie year and Caleb on chase on did half all right, you know. They've still got holes, but they're a decent team moving forward. Um, now let's go to Urban Meyer. I want to touch on Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, again, a bit like Trevor Lawrence. Many of your average NFL fans are going to be like, who's this Urban Meyer? Why is everyone banging on about him? Why has he got such a big contract? He's never coached in the NFL before. You have to go back to watch... Urban Myers, you know, like history as a college football coach. So you've all heard of Alex Smith. Alex Smith, yeah. Guy who nearly lost his leg, nearly lost his life on a football field. Came back. He's had a very good pro career at the 49ers, at the Chiefs. He's had a good pro career at the Washington Redskins. Recently retired. Alex Smith was coached by Urban Meyer when he was at Utah. Urban Meyer was a, was a coach at Utah back in 2003 and 2004 when Alex Smith went number one overall. His record there was 25-2. and two. He then went to Florida, and he coached at Florida. Tim Tebow, the Pouncey Brothers, Percy Harvin, Cam Newton. You've heard of these players? These players all came through with him at Florida. He then went to Ohio, the Bosa Brothers, Ezekiel Elliott, national champion. See, you, you get an idea who this Urban Meyer guy is. What he is famous for is a threat offense. In college football, he was really the founder of this spread offense and using a spread offense. Um, him and Dan Mullen, who's at Florida now, were, were Utah together, and they adopted this spread offense with run play options and all that stuff where Alex Smith was bootlegging and running a lot, and there was an option for that. And, and it, was, it, was, it was kind of like revolutionary in the college game at the time. Obviously, he's now coming to the NFL there's still a big question mark. There's a big difference between being an NFL head coach and a college head coach. For one, in college, it's a bit more about recruitment and stuff like that and getting talent to come into your, into your college program. Whereas in NFL, it's about managing locker rooms and stuff like that. And I don't like his first move, which was bringing Tim Tebow back. A guy who's got no right, 
really playing in the NFL. You know, like he was he, not now. He hasn't played a snap since 2012. He's never played tight end in his life. But yet here he is at 33 years of age playing a new position that he's never played a snap before for an NFL franchise. I'm sorry. The NFL is going to be the pinnacle of American football. We're not talking about high school or college yet. What right has Tim Tebow at 33 got to find his way onto an NFL franchise? And more the point is, I would, I would be, I would, I mean, if I was a, a Jags player and I've got Tim Tebow there, I, I would be asking that question as well. I would have rather took an undrafted free agent out of college than take Tim Tebow. I'd be pissed off if I was an undrafted free agent who was passed on for Tim Tebow. Because that guy's got no right on an NFL football field. I'm sorry, you're Tim Tebow. I couldn't give a shit. I'm neither Catholic or American. Well, I am Catholic, but I neither got to church nor American. I don't care, mate. Fuck off. You've got no right in an NFL football field. And if I was a player, I'd be like, I'll get out my fucking dressing room, mate. I would clean me cleats, so fuck off. Because you're not what you used to be. You know what I mean? No. And you've got no right being here. I'd be miffed the fuck. I don't I don't know what Team Tebow's doing in the NFL. And I don't and and look, you're telling me that Colin Kaepernick cannot find his way onto an NFL roster. But yet Tim Tebow can. That's the greatest privilege I've ever seen. And jobs for the old boys. I'm sorry, but I find that quite and I I find that fucking pretty offensive, to be honest with you. Like you've got a guy who's still got talent and ability, and you've got another guy who was really lame all the way through his NFL career and has never played a snap in his position, and he's getting a shot before the other guy who's been blackballed out in the NFL. That like that off your chest. Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, I got that impression. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know what I mean? Like, like to Urban Meyer, for me, despite he's got the pedigree and you look and he goes, wow, this is going to be exciting. It's kind of like dropped the ball from the start. I wonder how his lo- I wonder how the players are looking at that. I, won- I wonder how the Jags players are looking at that. Clearly just his mate who he's let in because he used to quarterback for him at Florida. You know, I'm going to go through before I end on some of the players who Urban Meyer has coached. So we touched on Alex Smith. Another quarterback he coached was that Florida was Tim Tebow, obviously. And Cam Newton. Running back, Elliott. Carlos Hyde. Wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Percy Harvin. Jordan Reed, the tight end at uh, Washington. He's now with you guys at the 49ers. Marcus Gilbert, who played offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers for many years. Taylor Decker, who plays for your boys' bones. Mike Pouncey. Andrew Norvell, who's there for him at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Marquise Pouncey. On the defence, Bosa, Dunlap, they were coached by him. Jonathan Hankins, who's at my team, the Raiders, he was coached by him. Ryan Shazier, who's now retired, who was the who was the Steelers linebacker, he was coached by him. Janoris Jenkins, the cornerback who played for the Saints last year, used to play for Tom's Giants, he was coached by him. Joe Hayden, the long-time corner for the for the, uh, the Browns, who's Pittsburgh Steelers now. He was coached by him. Bradley Roby, he was coached by him. Eric Weddle was coached by him at Utah. And uh, Reggie Nelson. Boom or bust Reggie Nelson. Hated <laughs> by those Raiders fans, but slightly fondly, more fondly thought of by Cincinnati fans. So Urban Meyer, these are the players he's coached. 
So for your average NFL fan who's going, well, who's this Urban Meyer coming from? College. You get an idea of just how loaded this guy is in his body of work. Yeah, I mean, his, his player development, as you say, all three of his, uh, all his college stops has been excellent. Um, there's no doubt in his coaching pedigree. I think the concern for me, well, first of all, let me say I'm severely concerned if the Raiders pick up Tim Tebow off waivers before the start of the season, because I think your head might explode. But um, in terms of Urban Meyer, my, my only real concern with Urban Meyer, well, it's twofold, and one isn't really anything to do with him. Um it's a big jump from the from college to the pros. We've seen that. There's not a. There are some college coaches that have been successful. There aren't a lot. Um, maybe he can break the mold. He's coming in quite late in his coaching career as well. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Experience is obviously a good thing. He's not likely to trip over some of the errors that some of the younger college coaches have made. But I do just wonder about that. I like what they're doing. I think they're developing a pretty good roster. And any roster with Trevor Lawrence in. You can't really, uh, you know, you can't really criticize it too much. You're right about the lines. Neither of the neither the O nor the D line are good. My, my main concern, and maybe speaking as a 49ers fan, I don't know. My main concern is is the general manager. It's not really the coach. It's not really the roster as it's currently constructed. You kind of hit the nail on the head. You were talking about the draft, and you, you started talking about the mid to late round picks. And I know generally that doesn't really matter because you're not going to get necessarily going to get a Pro Bowl or even a starter, but you said the phrase boomer bust, and when I think of Trent Bolt drafting, going back to his time at the 49ers, that's pretty much what he drafts. You're either going to get everything or you're going to get nothing. And the problem is at some point, your luck runs out and you get absolutely nothing from a draft class. Now, as it is right now, he's off to a good start because you start with Trevor Lawrence, you know, that's fine. I don't know how much say he's got there either, whether he's just a figurehead for... Urban Meyer, or whether he is actually doing the scouting and the, you know the choosing the players, we'll see how that develops. That's my main concern with Jacksonville. Other than that, I'm I'm pretty enthusiastic about them. Really, I think they, I think they're probably too far away to make a run at the division seriously this year. But I think they'll make a little bit of noise. And Trevor Lawrence is going to have a few players that will announce him on a bigger stage. Um, I'm not sure what you think, Jordan. Are you as enthusiastic about the Jags, or what are we thinking? I think they're um I think they're in the process of a rebuild and it's a good start for year one, you know, to that rebuild. Like you say, they've still got a lot of concerns in different areas, but it's not gonna happen overnight. So they will hopefully keep going moving forward and every positive obviously have a positive year this year and then you move forward again. But just touching on Urban Meyer, obviously, like you said, you've gone through his um, past credentials there, it's fantastic. But there's got to be some concern with him as well, you know, with his past as well, you know, with certain like obviously the Florida team, you know, we've, I'm not going to go into them all, but you've seen the, the problems that, uh, that Urban Meyer has had in other teams. And obviously he came, he has come before and had his health problems and stuff. So of course there's going to be some concerns with him. He, he could do a fantastic job, but it's, it's new to the NFL. I, I just, I do think there's still some concerns there with him. And if it doesn't go well early on, who knows what can happen, but from the team, I think it's moving in the right direction, but it's just one of them where we'll see moving forward and see if anything progresses from different areas of the past, should I say. Like I say, you should go read about Urban Meyer. He's a fantastic read, you know, for positives and, and negatives. If you want to go read about him, really good for any listeners. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he's an excellent coach, but as you say, that those health problems are a bit of a concern. And 
one of the other things is, as you said, if he doesn't get off to a good start, bearing in mind there's going to be, he's going to have a bit of a job to win people over, I think. But if he does it, you know, great. And I think it's a good PR move for a team that struggled to sell out. You know, you think about Jacksonville, you think about low attendances. Well, they brought in Urban Meyer, who's probably the most popular coach in Florida, even though he hasn't been there for a few years. And I would argue that Tebow is is probably a, a PR move as well. If he makes the roster or not, it, it generates some interest. Um, and obviously, having Trevor Lawrence is not going to hurt your ticket sales either. So I think there's, I think those are the major things. It's just whether it can deliver on the field. What do you just think, Lawrence, as a purveyor of, uh, what was it you called them, poverty franchises? Are these guys a poverty franchise? Um... Tough with the Jaguars, isn't it? Because they're a recent, they're not that old. They were an expansion team, if anything. I don't think they've been around long enough to have become a poverty franchise, really. But didn't the FC Championship a few years back as well, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think with the Jaguars, the thing about the Jaguars is they're going to be an interesting one to watch. They changed ownership, was it, a few years back? Tony Khan came in and bought the. No, was it Shad Khan? Sorry, it was his yeah, dad, Shad, wasn't it? Khan, Shad Khan owns it. Okay, they came in, cleaned house. Basically, it was going to look like a whole new team. Like everything was wiped, the slate clean. Like I, I'm really interested to see what they do. I think you're right in terms of the Tebow hire. Like, and I understand why Mark is not happy about it. Like, never played <laughs> snap at tight end. Been playing what? Not even been playing major league baseball. Been playing what minor league ball for like yeah. however many years now. Although that does mean he's got all that baseball juice science, right? Like, you've seen this guy. Like he's he is built right like he's stacked there's no way that's real like right now but i mean at otas they say he's been doing well at tight end like but it's definitely it's definitely a media hire like at, at best you could say it's a locker room hire but i think it's a media hire he's, he's from not far away from jacksonville is he like he's quite local i know he's a florida boy but i think he's quite local to jacksonville as well um so he's, he's a big hometown hero and he, I, th- I think that's why he's there but I do think he's, there's a there's a locker room presence to be said for Tim Tebow as well. Like no one, no one hates Tim Tebow because of his personality. Like I guess for the most, unless you really hate religious people, but anyone who's played with him <laughs> seems to quite like him. Like that's the thing. Like you so don't hear is, any. So, so this is my point. If you're gonna hire him, there's a locker room presence. Hire him as a kit manager. Yeah, well, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna come out on test. I was gonna say they could have taken it. They could have hired him as like an assistant quarterback coach or anything like that, and just not had him said count against the salary cap. I don't know why they want him to play, but here we are in a weird position. But I do think the rest of the Jaguars is going to be an interesting. I do think it's going to be an interesting team. I think Lavisca Chenault Jr. is a, is a good wide receiver. Like he's not the fastest wide receiver, but he's he's definitely an interesting one. He's, he he still creates separation. He plays bigger than his size. I think Chenault is a thing. Like, but. You know, you've got Marvin Jones on the other side, who obviously I'm quite familiar with as a Detroit fan. Like, I think he's a really good wide receiver. Like, he's probably towards the tail end of his career now. But he, Galladay went down last year, and Jones stepped up massively as our top wide receiver for the year with with Stafford. So, yeah, I think he's a good veteran to bring in at wide receiver. I think this guy's got a lot of years' experience in the league. Uh, Etienne, I wanted to touch on because uh, I mean, guy looks incredible. I've used some comps to Alvin Kamara for this guy, and I think. If that is who he plays like, that's that's a great comp. It's a tough comp to live up to. It's one of those ones where someone compares you to one of the best running backs in the league. You're gonna have, like it's not easy to live up to. But I hope he does. He's good. He looks like a really good running back. But I, yeah, Urban Meyer moving up, cool. 
really interested to see what happens now that he's back in the league. I think, I think Mark said it in one of our previous conversations. Maybe not on the on the on the live, but Eben Meyer's come up to coach Trevor Lawrence, hasn't he? That's part of the reason he's here. Like, but based on what he's done with other quarterbacks, Eben Meyer coaching Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars could be a real threat. Like, yeah. I don't think we can count anything out at this point. No, it'd be interesting to watch. And I agree, by the way, with the point about Etienne. Um, he fits perfectly into that mould of that, like, jack-of-all-trades offensive playmaker that Maya seems to just, I don't know, at one point in the in the early two, you know, 2010s, he seemed to be pumping him out every season. Like, it was just ridiculous. There, was, there always seemed to be a new hot name on one of his teams. Um, I'll just come back to Jordan because I know you had a little bit to say earlier and I think I may have chopped across you, so go ahead. Just a little thing. Um, I was just saying that you were just mentioning when you were on about um, Urban Meyer and um, Team Tebow, but all you have to do, like um, Bones mentioned, all you have to do is look at Sahid Khan and just look <laughs> at the, the Jaguars and see how out there and unflamboyant that guy is to look at some of the um, some of the things that he does. And, come, and it's no surprise that he's taken a chance on um, some of the people that he has done. He don't care. He doesn't let people just do what he wants. He's just look at some of his interviews. He's. Uh, <laughs> To be put to be nice, he is a sausage. You know, I won't use any. As long as those tickets are selling and those seats are filled, he's happy. Like the best thing he's ever done is when he turned down the when he turned down the Michael Jackson statue at Fulham. We're not having that. Get that down. Yeah, just just Tim Tebow. Like, why give him a player designation? You take him. I can't get out of it. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's the worst move by any franchise in pre-season. Would, would, you know, bring us thirty-three-year-old who you... hasn't played a snap since two thousand and twelve, who hasn't ever played tight end in his life. Who's look? He, let's get it right, right? He's Urban Meyer's next door neighbor. That's why he's on the team. He's urban, you know, he's, he's Urban Meyer's next door neighbor. Yeah, I believe you know, Colin Kaepernick is looking at how he's in the Jacksonville area. How <laughs> did this not leave a bad taste in your mouth after seeing what's happened, happened to Colin Kaepernick? And at least <laughs> Colin Kaepernick has some talent and ability. Last time we saw him, Tim Tebow was losing his way off the Philadelphia Eagles roster and couldn't get a snap since his time in the Jets. He went to the New England Patriots, he went to the Eagles, he had like a roundabout tour in his rookie contract, you know what I mean? And was never seen him again for six years, never played a snap since 2012. That was a cornerback, he was lousy there. And now they're going to try him at positions he's never played before. I would be miffed. I would be so miffed if I was a young college player coming up who was declaring for the NFL this year and finds himself working in McDonald's when TT Bo. Is playing on an NFL franchise. I'd be fucking pissed. I'm pissed off that I'm not even an NFL. <laughs> um, I think um, John mentioned it earlier about um, Raiders claiming him off the off the waivers, and I don't think the Raiders had stooped that low. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't play for Alabama, so they're not interested. You know, um, scream everything that's like you know, like the Black Lives Matters movement and all that aside. This is privilege. This is nothing but privilege. This tells you about it being in a boys' club. That Urban Meyer's come in and the first thing he's done is went back to his archives and hired his next door neighbour in a position that he's never played before for, for the best league in American football. 
you know, the pinnacle of it, you know what I mean, and put them in there. I, it just can't get out of it. It's got to be the it's it's got to be the worst move by any franchise across the off season. <laughs> just leaves well, a pile in my mouth. I don't know who let Stephen A. Smith on the show tonight, but nonetheless, um, speaking of uh, speaking of bad moves by franchises, unless we've got anything else to say on the Jaguars, let's move on and let's, for God's sake, let's get this out of the way. Jesus Christ. I am taking on the Houston Texans this week, and I, I don't mind telling you this has been the biggest challenge of my professional career, and I don't even get paid to do this show. Um, God, where, where do we even start? I mean... This is a team that came into the league as a, as an expansion franchise and appears to be trying to go out of the league as an expansion franchise. I do not know what is going on in Houston. Um, they've been systematically stripped of any talent whatsoever. They've made baffling trades. They've got like maybe one or two decent players on the team. They've got a coach nobody's ever heard of. Um They've got a chaplain as the general manager. I, I, I don't know what's I, I don't know what's going on in Houston. I really, really don't. Um, yeah. So thanks. See you next week, guys. No. Um, I, I. I mean, it, it's difficult. It really is. I mean, I can't really blame um, the new general manager and the new coach for the situation they've walked into. I don't know how Bill O'Brien and the rest of the clowns that have been in charge have managed to mismanage this franchise so badly that. Not only is the cupboard bare, they've got nothing to fill it with. Like they've barely any draft picks. But, so I mean, with that with that in mind, I have to give them a little bit of slack. But then, just when I uh, thought they couldn't get any dumber, they didn't totally redeem themselves. They took a quarterback in round three. They took Davis Mills out of Stanford. Davis Mills is a damn good quarterback, and he will be. A good, I think he'll be a decent quarterback in the NFL. But. How you could look at that roster, even with Deshaun Watson's, um, let's say, publicised legal issues, because I don't want us to get sued. Even with the show, yeah, even with what's going on with Deshaun Watson, I cannot understand why you would invest the little draft capital you've got in a quarterback. There was players there that could have made a difference. You know, it was a pretty deep draft, and you go and take a quarterback. I. I yeah, I mean, Jesus, I'm not even sure he wouldn't have been there at the next third-round pick. They had two picks in the third. Um, they took Nico Collins with the next one, who I actually quite like. He's a, he's a good – I think he's a good player. He's played at a big program. He knows what it's about. I think he'll do okay. And when you look at the receiver depth chart, you can see why they've gone for him because outside of Brandon Cooks, they've got a team that was good in 2012, and it's 2021. So, I mean, I can see why they've gone for, uh, you know, for a receiver there. I'm going to be honest, after that, I'm struggling to know who they've drafted. Um, you know, they're trying to fill positions on the roster with five draft picks. Um, and that's just not possible. They're in a really difficult situation. So I have to kind of say they did okay in the draft. I just don't get the Davis Mills pick. And even if Watson is moving on, which I think is possible, like, okay, but. Is Davis Mills going to start straight away? No. So you've probably got Tyrod Taylor. Is it Tyrod Taylor? I don't know how he wants it pronounced these days. Starting at quarterback, which is which is okay, I guess. You know, you can get something out of him. But you start looking at the rest of the roster and, oh, my God. I mean, they got Mark Ingram, who I think has probably had his best years at running back. They traded for David Johnson, who seems to have completely lost his way. 
Philip Lindsay isn't a bad pickup, decent player. Rex Burkhead, I think it's the Patriots connection that's probably got him on the roster. He's a he's a solid enough player. There's nothing wrong with him. But this is kind of what what I'm looking at. These are players that either have been good, or are just kind of they're NFL players, but not a great deal else. You know, receivers kind of the same, aside from Brandon Cooks. And to be honest, when I look at the receivers, they've no one to throw them the ball anyway. If Deshaun Watson isn't there, so like you know, does it matter who's at receiver? Probably not. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks is a good receiver. Randall Cobb was a good receiver, but I think he's had his best years. Um, Dante Moncrief has never really become a you know a top player. I won't lie to you; I don't know a single thing about any of the tight ends. Don't don't I, I recognise names, but I don't know if any of them are any good. Um, never seen him play, which suggests they might not be. Jordan Jordan Atkins, I think I know, is is a half decent player. Um, the O line. The old line actually has some positives. They got a former first rounder in Howard, Titus Howard, at tackle. They got Laramie Tunsil, of course. I mean, they've traded away the entire franchise to get him, but they they do have him. They got Marcus Cannon. You know, these are these are decent players. There's something you can build around. Justin Britt can play a little bit. They're okay, I guess. But then it just becomes I don't know. It's so hard to be optimistic about this team. It really is. I mean, they really are starting from from. Ground zero. There is there is almost nothing there. If I was looking for positives, they've got a guy in in Nick Casemiro. I think that's how you pronounce it. Who Nick Casario, maybe who has been sought after for a lot of GM positions, and you know the Texans at the second attempt, it would seem, have managed to land him. Um, the issue in the front office is Jack Easterby. Nobody knows what his role is, how much influence he's got. It seems like he's got quite a bit. He, he has no football background whatsoever. I, I, I just uh, sometimes things happen in the NFL that I just do not understand, and and I think Jack Easterby is one of them. He must be one very persuasive guy. That's all I can say. Um, hopefully they get out of the way and let let uh, Casario do his job and try and rebuild that team. Um, head coach, I know nothing about David Cully. I mean, he was he was assistant head coach, wide receivers at the Ravens. I mean, I'm not sure coaching wide receivers on the Ravens requires much of anything because they don't really use them all that much, but. You know, he's been there a while. He's an experienced guy. I get the impression he is just kind of there to sort of, uh, what's the phrase I would use? He's just there to kind of manage while they try and get back to something approaching an NFL roster. I don't think he's going to be there long term. He might do two, three years. He's there to make the best of a bad situation. Maybe teach some of the younger guys what it takes to play in the NFL, try and build something. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no question they're finishing bottom of this division. Absolutely no question. If they don't finish bottom of this division, I'll be stunned. The, the, there's, there's some... They basically went out and signed an entire franchise in free agency to the point where I haven't even made notes on the free agents because I didn't have enough room on my monitor to fit it on. So, to be honest with you, you could look at the entire squad. A lot of it is new players. They are essentially an expansion franchise. I kind of made it as a joke crack at the start, but you look at that, outside of Deshaun Watson, they really are, and maybe Tunsil. They've picked up teams that they've picked up players that other teams don't want that have probably had the best years, or young players that have a lot to prove. Now, they're going to get one or two wins. I don't think this is an 0-16 team, but there's about as near to it as any... Well, 0-17 about as near to it as any team I've seen. Um, but I do have some faith they might be able to grind out one or two wins, but it is grim, honestly. And 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the direction is. I think that's the thing they've got to do this year. They've got to find themselves a direction. They've got to find themselves um, just somewhere to go. We need to know what this franchise is going to be long term because I think what we've seen from a lot of the moves in the last two, three years is, um, you know, they, they have no direction. This is another one of those where I'm saying I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the direction was. And it's daft because they were, and I'm sure somebody's going to point this out because it was mentioned off air last week. They were leading the Chiefs in the in the playoffs not two years ago. They they were winning the game, should have won the game, and now we're looking at a roster that is probably the worst in the NFL, and and the potential to only win two or three games. How the hell has it come to this? There will be books written about this because this is honestly the the most the most obvious dismantlement of an NFL franchise I think I've ever seen. If this was a football club in the UK, there would be fans protesting every week at the stadium. I've never seen anything like it in the NFL. Like, some teams have been bad. The Browns have been bad. But the Browns were bad over, like, several years of bad drafting. The Lions, similar. You know, the year they went 0-16, it was... Several? Yeah, well... Several decades of bad drafting. <laughs> yeah, but I think you suffered most from the Matt Millen era and taking like three first round, first round, so there's a Tony Angelino, first round wide receivers and, um, and you know, not getting anything out of those draft picks. And eventually it comes back to bite you. Now, what's come back and bitten the Texans is they've given the draft picks away. It's not even like they've drafted badly, they just haven't had the picks. Um, and oh, yeah, it really is. It's the cupboard is absolutely bare. I mean, there's there's a few things where you think, yeah, okay, I can see where they're going for. If I'm looking for a positive, they brought in experienced heads, people that have played on good teams, and maybe that's how they try and get the ship righted. But bloody hell, it is hard to see anything good about it. It really is. Um, one win, two wins at best for me. Um, don't know what anyone else thinks. I think Mark wants to make a point. I have a feeling I've stepped on his point because I think he was going to mention him almost beating the Chiefs a couple of years ago because he was the one that put the idea in my head. But I'll uh, I'll send it over to him. What you got, Mark? 24. 24 free agent acquisitions this team made in the off-season. None of them notable. But out of 24, Shaq Lawson, probably yeah. the most notable name out of them. You know what I mean? Like, you're talking about an absolute... Bin fire. You're right in saying, John, for the NFL fan who's a casual NFL fan, this is the equivalent of a team pushing for a Champions League place, you know, then just selling everybody and moving on from everyone and finishing bottom of the Premier League. Because this yeah. team, coming into 2019, you know, coming into last year, sorry, 2020, must have thought, oh, we're quite fancy ourselves for a Super Bowl run this year. No, we just got squeezed out by the Chiefs last year after leading the game for most of the game, you know, in the AFC. And, they, and, and like you said, they were, they, were, they were well ahead in that game. And they would have come back in 2020 thinking, oh, we're, we're, gonna, we're in a Super Bowl window. We've got JJ Watt. We've got this young quarterback. We've got Will Fuller. We've got pieces all over the place. The young quarterback's in court. JJ Watt's now at the Arizona Cardinals. And Will Fuller's now in a Dolphins jersey. This is a team that has just been gutted to the point where they've signed 24 free agents and none of them are notable. And the Davis Mills pick, I just don't get that pick. You've got Tyrod Taylor. 
you're going to lose out this year. John, I don't think that I, I look at that team like, how are you going to win one game? But if they might win a game, could so rare to go undefeated, yeah. to go yeah, undefeated, yeah. to go unwinning in the NFL. Bones team's done it. The Browns have done it. They're going to stumble their way to a win in a 17-game season. But I don't see them going over one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think one is probably where I would peg yeah. You never know. Like, but yeah, so I'd say one win. They're going to be picking number one next year. So they're going to be picking number one. You're going to have your pick of the quarterbacks. If that's the case, why did you pick Davis Mills this year? Like? The kids aren't even going to start. You know, you, you, you could have got anything. Hmm. You could have got anything. You know what I mean, though? Like, I don't know if it was desperation. I don't know if it was stupidity. I hear that they ran by a uh, pasta. Yeah, Tim Tebow could do the job if they want to pass that and run a franchise. <laughs> Tim Tebow in his GM, you know what I mean? Though? Like, like I don't like honestly, Texans last year, this time last year, would have been thinking all positive and just what a what a difference a year has made. You know, you went from leaving the season and going into a season on a high. So like probably going and deserting and supporting the Dallas Cowboys things have got that bad. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? You, the Houston Texans are all Dallas Cowboy fans. Yeah. And it's like absolute bin fire. Absolute bin fire. It's terrible, and, isn't it? You're gonna be picking first, which just makes that Davis Mills pick even <laughs> more. Like you should just like that's like like the, you've literally just lit fire to that draft pick. Yeah, because, I mean the bit that doesn't make sense to me, best case scenario, Deshaun Watson deals with his legal issues, plays most of the season. You win more than one game, maybe. You don't pick first. Maybe there is a worse team. And maybe you don't get your pick of the quarterbacks. And you've also got Deshaun Watson. Worst case scenario, either Deshaun Watson doesn't deal with his legal issues or you end up having to trade him. So then you end up starting Tyrod Taylor or even Jeff Driscoll, Jesus Christ. Um, and then you end up picking first. And then, yeah, like you say, what was the point of taking that? De- Either way, what do you need Davis Mills for? You don't. <laughs> I don't get it. Just take Spencer Rattler. You know, like, and, and this is the thing, right? Deshaun Watson isn't coming back this year. He's going to get, at the very least, if he's not in jail, the NFL suspended him for a season. Yeah, you would think so. Though. So he ain't going to play this year. You know what I mean, though? So, and, and, and look, they're going to have to move off him. If he's suspended for a year by the NFL, the, the, the chance of that he's going to just get they're just going to move off him they're not going to pay him his salary what he's got whilst he's suspended you know they're going to they're going to move off him it's a chance to get out of that contract which you just signed last year which is astronomical it's just below what Mahomes signed you know what I mean though it's it's like and it's a chance and you've got a chance to get out of it you know like this franchise is just in turmoil and honestly i can't wait to see the aspn 30 for 30 from this like you know what i mean <laughs> there'll be one there'll be one in a few seasons time yeah they're almost at the, they're almost at the like late 70s tampa bay level where you like you could feasibly see them losing that many games and it really is but at least with the browns when the browns were bad what did they lose like 26 games on the run or something like at least you had a feeling that they had draft capital and yeah. with a bit of luck, they might be able to do something with it. What the hell are the Texans going to do? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's go to our uh, poverty franchise specialist. What, what what you got for his bones? Give the Houston fans a reason to believe. Give them something. There's, there's nothing. 
Like, there is nothing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but it's like you said, like, you look at Houston's draft picks over the last year, they've not had anything earlier than, what, a third-round pick in, like, two, three years yeah. now or something stupid like that? Like, what have they... Where have all their picks gone? What did Not they trade talking. them for? Like, it's just <laughs> like, what's the point? Like, the, the cl- none of those trades clearly panned out because here we are in a situation where the team's just been completely gutted. Like, yeah, I mean, there's not much to be optimistic about at this point. Yeah, maybe you'll tank and take, you'll get a first overall pick next year. That's probably the most optimistic thing you can come up with for the Texans at this point. The, <laughs> it's just like there's some teams that are bad. And you wonder why. And then there's some teams that are bad, and you look at the what they've done and go, "Well, yeah, like what are you doing?" We were talking. I know we were talking about people who were traded away as well. Like DeAndre Hopkins got let go like last year as well, didn't he? Like they just the last person Deshaun had to throw a ball to. They're like, "Yeah, we're getting rid of him as well." (laughs) No wonder Deshaun Watson's annoyed. No wonder the team's doing badly. And yeah, they probably are going to pick first next over, like overall next year. But then, based on what's going on with this whole Jack used to be thing, who knows? They'll probably go and pick some like (laughs) fourth round talent because he's had a conversation with God or something. I don't know. Who just, knows what's going on with the ten- the Texans at this point? Oh my God! Who, who, carries a, this who, carry, who carries the can for this? Is it Bill O'Brien? Because he spent all that capital on having me tonsil. You know, like, and he was the one who let Hopkins go. You know what I mean? Which did which pissed uh, off JJ Watt, and he's gone. And of course, Will Fuller. He had a breakout year last year, and he goes, "I'm not coming back." See you later. Like, who, <laughs> carry, who carries the can for this mess? Is Bill, it Bill, Bill O'Brien? Jack used to be. I just picture Bill O'Brien getting in a plane and everyone's getting to the moon. And they're going, right, we need this much petrol to get to the moon. Do you think we should get some more just in case? And they're going, no, we'll, we'll stick with this. And he's going to get into the moon. There's a detour. There's one parachute in there. Bill O'Brien's jumped out. He's found himself in a fantastic position in Alabama under an offensive coordinator, just <laughs> laughing at the mess, at the crash scene, you know, that he's just produced at Texans. <laughs> So it's incredible how he's fallen on his feet, Bill O'Brien. He's done a fantastic job. You know what is it? You ever seen? You ever seen the Dark Knight? Do you know that scene where the Joker's walking away from the hospital and the nurse is out <laughs> and it just blows up behind him? That's literally Bill O'Brien walking out of the Houston Texans. You could take off the Joker's head and put Bill O'Brien's head on, and obviously the Houston te- Texans just exploding behind. And he's the one who's walking away unscathed, but with the detonator. Like, <laughs> like that, that's how I would describe this as. Yeah. Well, Alabama probably going to win a national championship. We'll probably be back in the NFL in a year or two's time with another franchise. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans is in smithereens. Like absolute ruins. You know what I mean? It's funny, isn't it? Because Bill O'Brien, I think, as a coach, isn't actually that bad, but. For some reason, with Rick Smith leaving and there was a few rumours of a few organisational struggles, he suddenly ends up taking on executive as well and thinks he's Bill Belichick. And my God, I mean, that is just... I mean, he is Bill Belichick, but it's the Browns era Bill Belichick. You got the wrong one, you know. What what, what you got, Jordan? Anything good? Anything good at all? (laughs) Um, I do like Nico Collins. I just feel like I wish you were on a different team. And I'm a big fan of Nico Collins, you know. What the limited tape that you saw at Michigan, you know, like they, if you go back and look at Michigan quarterbacks, you never had any luck. They, they like to run the ball, but the, uh, the stuff that you see on tape, he's a big lad, you know, he's a 
and contested catches. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna um, like knock him out of his path. But that's a positive. But he's on the Texans. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not really a positive, is it? I'm just talking about the player, really. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. I don't think there's any more to say, is there? I don't think there's any more, more to say. Point. I've got one more point. Go on. Bill O'Brien, when he was there, never had a pass blocker for um, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So he traded the franchise for allowing me to tunsel. And that's where all these picks went. Well done, Bill O'Brien. Because now <laughs> all you've got is allowing me tunsel. And, you ha- and there's nothing else there. So they were missing one part to be a good roster. Now yeah. they've got that one part and they're missing everything else as a result. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's Brilliant. like selling your engine to get four new tyres, isn't it? It's just, yeah. uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what it was about. I really, We've had some cracking lines on this podcast tonight, by the way. I think this might be the funniest one. Maybe that wasn't the intention, but hey, when you're talking about the Texans, you can't really not turn it into something like this, can you? Yeah. Oh, well, let, let's all take a deep breath and, and go to potentially a championship contender who have just made a massive move in trading for Julio Jones. Let's go over to Jordan with the Tennessee Titans. What you got, Jordan? I think, um, obviously, I'm going to leave this till the end, but before, obviously, we're writing and like thinking about what I'm going to say about the Titans, I did. I always thought, obviously, we, we all knew that Julio Jones could be going to the Titans before, for the last week. And and I said if they get Julio Jones, it could make them even better. Like and of course it will. I don't know how much it'll change it because they run the ball anyway so much, but it is going to make them better. But I don't think they'll move away from what they do. I know they've got a new offensive coordinator now in Todd Down in there. Um, who's, who I think he moved up from with a tight end coach something like that. But obviously, um, Mr. Michael know Todd Downing quite well. He um, he kind of revamped um, Derek Carr. Car's career when he was quarterback coach, but I think it went a bit downhill for him. So I'll give you a minute to, to talk about Todd Downing <laughs> if you want before I move on. Um, yeah, he was quarterback's coach, and then Mike Tice, who was our offensive line coach, managed to convince whoever it was, Jack Del Rio, I presume, that um, because he'd done such a good job in 2016 as Derek Carr's quarterback coach, he was now in line, he was going to go somewhere else as an offensive coordinator. So we sacked our 2016 offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave, and brought in Todd Downing, and we're just absolute garbage. So really good, really good quarterback coach. I would probably say not the best offensive coordinator because he bummed out at um he bum he bummed out later on as well. But yet he finds himself in an offensive coordinator position in um Tennessee. And um yeah, Arthur Smith, he's got some big shoes to fill there, hasn't he, really? And I'm not I too sure that Tom Downing is a really good signing. Um, yeah, as a coordinator. Yeah, I must admit I want I'm sure, but I don't know how much he will be. Like, got this. It's going to go into what Arthur Smith did there, and I think he's going to keep playing the similar calling the similar plays. You know, nothing as much is going to change, but we'll we'll watch that develop. They did. Um, we mentioned the Patriots the other week, saying that they did a lot in free agency and. Titans maybe not not as much as the Patriots, but they were really busy in you know like losing players and and signing players as well. The, um, the I know they were quite close to the cap and they they lost a lot of their players that they would have had to pay big money for. Like Corey Davis, John o. Smith, you know, um, Malcolm Butler went, Adore Jackson, but they replaced them with decent players. You know, um, I know uh, Mark mentioned earlier about Janoris Jenkins from uh, college. They've signed him up from the Saints to dine in. Um, Bud Dupree. Could potentially be a lot of money 
when you look in a few years' time, but it could be worth the money in a few years' time. It depends how he comes back from his injury, you know, how well he did at the Steelers. So it's one of them to watch out for. I think it, it, the money might not be an issue if he's getting all, if he carries on with the 2019 form, but obviously he had a bad injury. So we'll, we'll see how he comes back from, from that. You know, the pickup from the Colts, um, Denny Coltry, you know, another good um, player at edge, you know. I think they lost Jadavon Clowney. To be honest with you, I've seen him at the Seahawks. I've seen him at the Titans now since he since he left. Um, I know speaking of the Texans, he left the Texans, you know, and he's and he's, he's not really been up to the standard we expected from him. So I don't think it's a it's a massive loss for them. But uh, Danico Autry and Bud Dupree coming in a a good signings, and um, obviously before the. Um, signing of uh, Julio Jones. They picked up Josh Reynolds, which I thought were a decent pickup for their wide receiver room. You know, he did he did okay, you know, at, um, as a third wide receiver at the Rams. You know, I think he hit 500, 600 yards last season, which is not bad when you've got Jared Goff at quarterback. Uh, sorry, Bones. But... <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so I think they did really well in free agency. Then they went on to the draft and, again, I thought they were quite solid in the draft. They signed they signed players that I didn't think they were going to be in a rush to play. Maybe, obviously, you've got Caleb Farley that they took a risk on with the injury. But if that injury turns out to be nothing and it's he's absolutely fine to play, I think, for me, I, I know you had um, the likes of Sertain and um, the other cornerback, which name slips, uh, escapes Horn. me. Horn. Jesus. That's the one. But I had... Um, I had him as number one, to be honest with you, Caleb Fowler, before I heard about the injury. So if he if get them injury concerns behind him, I think that's a fantastic um, first-round pick. I think, them, obviously, they did pick up Kevin... This is a strange one. They picked up Kevin Johnson in free agency, who um, would be in a good um, nickel. But he retired um, about five or six days ago, which I don't actually know why he retired. I know he's had a few injury concerns. I don't know if it's come out. So even though they did sign Kevin Johnson this year, he's gone. So... They might have to rely on Caleb Farley and uh, another one of my favourites, Elijah Molden from Washington. You know, he, I, I really like this kid. You know, he's he's going to play in, in at the nickel, but he, he he's got the confidence to play wherever you're playing. But I think he will be suited in, in as a nickel corner. But he's physical. He's, he's 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 a really good player. You know, he put up some big numbers, some good numbers in tackles at Washington. I think they're going to have to ask him to play a bit more than they probably would have liked, but. The rest of them, you know, like Pitts, Dylan Radoons, I don't know. I think they might ask him to come in and out as a, you know, as a makeshift and see where he comes in a few years. You know, Monty Rice, Desfit Patrick, Rashad Riva. These are players that have got potential and they won't be asked to do big jobs early on because you look at the squad, they've really picked up some good, you know, the, the weakness were going to be their defence last season. And, and I think the players that they've lost, you might think, oh, like Malcolm Butler and Dory Jackson, but they've like, picked up Janoris Jenkins. And if, like I said, if Caleb Farley gets his work in and gets rid of that, you know, that injury is nothing to worry about. I think the defence has got better and they're paying less money, which, so I think they've done, I think they've done really well, to be honest with you, in um, free agency and the draft, the Titans. And then obviously Julio Jones, you know, they've picked him up now. And I think, like I say, they're not going to shy away from running the ball, but when you've got Julio Jones and AJ Brown there at the at receiver, it's um, it's a fantastic um, option on top of that as well. Ryan Tannehill, he's, I, I I didn't I thought it was a good quarterback anyway at Miami, but 
he's come at Tennessee and he's he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Fantastic, you know, done really well over there. And, and yeah, and I, I like I like what the Titans have done. You know, this season, you know, they've I, I've been flipping back and forth. You know, who is number one in this league out of the Titans and Colts? And, and and me personally, I don't know how you feel. I really think the Titans are, are there, especially with that Julio Jones pick up now to to be number one, be number one in the division. Like I said, they've, they've lost John Smith, but they've got Anthony Fersker, who, who they really rate highly there. You know, to to come in and um, pick up some some work there. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing the Titans this year. You know, I think they've made some good moves. They, they were they were they were just missing a few players on defence and I think, like I said I think they've strengthened so I, 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 I don't really have any I, anything bad to say about them you know I don't know still going to be a tall order to knock the Chiefs off but I think they're one of them teams that are just sitting behind that could that injuries if this everyone stays fit they could be knocking on the door this year and yeah I'm, I'm a fan yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I, I really, I really like what they've been doing. I think they're well coached, which is another thing that gets underrated by a lot of people. I like Mike Vrabel a lot. Um, Julio adds something they don't have, which is a big play threat receiver. You know, there's a, the ongoing third and short joke about him being quite run heavy, but I think you know that's going to change a little bit, and it helps Tannehill too. Tannehill really, in his career, hasn't really had that sort of player. Um, I think yeah, I, I really like what they're doing. I um I think I think they're uh, I think they're a good side. I think they're well coached. I think they draft the draft is a bit hit and miss with them, you know. I mean, got the whole Isaiah Wilson fiasco from, from last year. But I liked what they did this year. Um admittedly it is injury dependent, but I think like we said on the draft podcast, you can take a swing like that when you're picking late in the first round because Ultimately, you're not necessarily going to get a Pro Bowl quality guy. He probably is a Pro Bowl quality guy if he gets healthy and if he can stick his rookie contracts out. That's the window that they're in now. I think you look at that roster, it's it's in the Super Bowl window. So short-term moves like Julio Jones and risky moves like Fairley aren't necessarily bad moves as long as they all – if they all pan out, they're going to be in a great situation. Even if half of them pan out, they'll probably be all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty on board with the Titans. What about you, Bones? What do you reckon? I think I think the Julio signing's huge. I think the Titans Titans have got a great team that seems to fall short every every the past couple of years. And I say every year, but the past couple of years. They seem to have fallen short. They've had really dominant normal season, gets the postseason and people have figured them out like they're going to run the ball or throw a screen pass. And that's probably all they're going to do all game. Like, <laughs> But no, I think in seriousness, like AJ Brown was, he was a bit on his own last year. Like he's not a bad receiver, but when he's the only one Tannehill's got to throw to, you know what, what's going to happen. Like, I think, yeah, I think Julio's going to be a huge change for them. I think it, they definitely needed it. I think the signings this year, like you say, You've got like Caleb Farley, great. We talked about him in in one of the pods previously, and yeah, I just think all around they've they've, they've done some really good moves. You know, they've addressed areas of need. They managed to sign a absolute steal of a deal as well. That Julio contract, that the trade that actually what they gave up for Julio was nothing. One sec, I forgot. I didn't keep it open. Second. 
because I had a second. That's it, a second and a third. But they also got a fifth back or a sixth yeah. back, didn't yeah. they, or something like? And Julio the, Jones. And the second is kicked down the line as well, like twenty twenty three. Like, I don't know what happened, but the the Titans just robbed. Like with that <laughs> with that trade, like that trades. I think that's an unbelievably good trade to get a pick back as well, not just to give up the second and third. Like, yeah. I, it's unbelievable. Then, yeah, I think that this puts them in a proper contention. But again, it's like it's, they do seem to fall short in the playoffs. Does it get them over that last bit of the hump that they needed to get over? Hopefully. I, I, I think it does. I, I, I like what they've done on defence. I must admit, you know, you've got um, Danico Autry coming over from the Colts, you know, to with Simmons, you know, like, it, obviously it's going to be a big dependent on Bud Dupree and Caleb Farley, but if you get the, the players that you know that you're going to get with Bud Dupree, if he comes back to that 2019 form and Caleb Farley is the player that we come out of, that we saw in college and injuries aside, I love that defence, and I think that was a weakness for him. You know, we saw that Derek Henry can run for fun. It's one of them, Derek Henry. Is he ever going to stop? And I just look at him and I think, I don't think he is. I think he's going to keep on running forever. But obviously, if he does get an injury, the, the, the running back room does look the problem area. I like the wide receivers. You know, I think that's a fantastic one, two, three. So, yeah, I'll, I, I really like him, I must admit. I'm a big <laughs> I, I'm I'm a big fan of those as well. What what about you, Mark? Are you are you on board with this, or are you a bit sceptical? There's enough to be concerned about. Last year, they were the third best offense in the NFL in yards and yards per game. Um, they were behind Kansas, who were the best, and the Buffalo Bills, who were the second best. And I think they were level with the Bills on most of the stuff. So they've lost Arthur Smith, who's now went to Tennessee, who's now went to the um, Atlanta Falcons. And he's done a Matriots deal and give them Julio Jones. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you, you, you go, is that offense going to drop off? That would concern us. What's behind Derek Henry? Now they've got Julio Jones and they've got AJ Brown. So at least they've got a second part to that offense now. Because so Derek Henry, what's behind Derek Henry on the depth chart? Well, there's really not much. You've got like Derek Henry, and you've got um, well, then you've got like Jeremy McNichols and Darrington Evans and Brian Hill, who also came across from Atlanta. So you've got not much behind Derek Henry, but now they've got two wide receivers, and you think well, they've got second ball, second string to this offense. Um, defensively. They're relying on a load of rookies from like so. They had a really good run of draft picks between seventeen and nineteen. They got Jeffrey Simmons, who came in the you know the defensive tackle from Mississippi State. He looks brilliant. They got Harold Landry from Boston College. They got Rashawn Evans. They got GM Brown. These these are all mainstays of this defense now. But there's high draft captain them, and they've done well so far. They need to take that poor ball leap. That's where they need to start going. Bud Dupree worries me. I made this point with Trey Hendrickson. Signing another team's number two pass rusher and paying them like your number one pass rusher is a very dangerous thing for me. And one of the reasons why Bud Dupree, I feel, got so much production is because opposite him, he's got T.J. Watt. So he's never seen any double coverage. You know, he's, he's never seen any double blocking, sorry. And he's in, in, the, in the winning a lot of Steelers. He gets a lot of options to go after the pass and there's a lot of pass rush downs which are going to flatter his stats. I'm a little bit worried about paying a team's, another team's number two and paying them like the number one. Um, so there's enough concern. 
can the offense maintain top three rating? If Derek Henry goes down, is Julio Jones and AJ Brown can they shoulder the burden of no running back? Because that's basically what they've got if he goes down. Um, the defense, these 17, 18, 19 picks, they're going to have to make a jump. They've shown promise, but they're going to start. They need to be in pro balls. So, yeah, I mean, I like what they are, and theoretically on paper, it all looks good, but there's still some question marks there for me with the Titans. <laughs> I think that's a good summary, that there's definitely some... I think my concern coming into it was was the age of the team. They've tried to address that a little bit with some of the free agency stuff. I like what they've done in the draft, although they are going to suffer a bit for basically burning a first round pick last year. Um, you know, there's there's a few there's enough to be concerned about, but it is a good organization. It's a good team, a good coach as well. Probably one of the better coaches in the division, um, if not the conference, actually. I really like Mike Vrabel. I think he's, a, he's another one that's been a success away from the New England way of doing things. And I think people forget that, you know, he was a big part of that for uh, for many years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty good summary of Tennessee. Um, obviously, their, their windows changed a little bit because of getting Julio as well. I think it's probably pushed them a little bit further into the forefront of people's minds. Which of course brings us neatly onto the uh, the division prediction. So um, I think we can all agree the Texans are coming bottom of the division. So we'll, we'll, yeah. I think we can go bottom up this week because that seems a bit easier than uh, than the other way around. So the Texans are going to be bottom. I would probably say the Jags third. I don't know what the what the general feeling is on that. Yeah, yeah. But then two and one, I could go either way. Really, what 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 are our thoughts on that one? I feel called to the best team in this division. I think it's difficult though because you know that Titans team—they're a good team as well. No, let's have a little think. Let's have a little think. It's going to come. They, they, them when the Titans play the Colts, they're going to be some big games. But I can't. I'm saying I, I could flip. You could ask me tomorrow. And I could flip flop back and forth. It could be either one of these. You know, it, it really could. Do you know the bookies are the same? The bookies are, have got the Titans slight favourites. But really, this is split by a by a hair. They're both near the evens. The Titans are eleven to ten. The Colts are twenty-one to twenty. So well, they both went eleven and five last year, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, literally, you could flip a coin. What am I thinking? <laughs> right? Let's think. I think Todd Downing's enough <laughs> for the Titans to lose their championship place on this seat. On this, I think the Colts are going to win this. I think we're going to see. A nice little return from Carson Wentz. My betting prediction is stick a five on Carson Wentz for MVP. Just stick it on. It's 50 to 1. If you want to have a long shot punt, this would be the one that I would make. We've seen him have MVP type seasons, and he's back with his offensive coordinator who he did that with. But I would be putting Colts, Titans, Jags, Texans. I must admit, I, I kind of favour the Titans. I don't know if it's because I've covered them more, but there'll be nothing more than I love to see Carson Wentz carry that Colts team on his back and take them to number one and take them to the playoffs and watch all the Eagle fans' faces. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> so we're happy with Colts, Titans, Jags, Texans then? I, I think I would take that. I could flip one and two, but I think we could be here all night, really. Yeah. Debating, yeah, debating I, which is the top one out of the two. I do think that's fair because, like, 
looking at last year, like it's it's very even. Like the Colts had one less win in the conference, but overall they went like they had the same win loss. Like in the Colts had a better non conference record than the Titans did, but the Titans had the better in conference record. So it could just go either way, couldn't it? I think that's the best way to put it. But yeah. I think that's yeah. Um brief I, there was a point where I was briefly distracted because I wanted to I, I just I have to show you all this because it's my my Gary Ewing Photoshop skills. You ready? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, from an earlier point in the conversation where it was mentioned. So I went and made that for us that's all. Doing. That's do exactly be, what. I... Do me a favour and send me that so I can tweet it because I think uh, I think this pod has actually been one of the one of the more. Not entertaining, but certainly one of the more humorous ones when we got on the Texans. So I think it deserves some. Uh, I think it deserves recording for posterity, as well as the Tebow stuff as well. Um, we would like to apologise to anybody offended, but we don't really give a fuck. So it is what it is, you know. If people on the if people on our sister podcast can call uh, call fans morons, I think we can get away with uh, with not liking Tim Tebow very much. So I think we're all right. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think I think the way we've gone in the end with the one, two, three, four is is probably about right. Um, like I say, you could debate it backwards and forwards all night, but uh, I think this ended up being quite a good division to do. You could only really rule one team out completely. Um, do we think there might be two playoff teams in this division? Do we yeah. think Titans might make a wild card? Yeah, I think this is a two playoff team. I think that the, the Texans are so bad that. The Colts are going to like the Colts might as well start two and zero, and the Titans might as well start two and zero. I haven't seen that the Chargers might as well start two and zero because they're going to play the Texans twice, which is two games. Um, yeah, I think this is a playoff. I think this is a two playoff team division. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is perhaps one of the stronger divisions at the top of it. The depth might not be there because of the other two sides. Obviously, Jacksonville rebuilding and the Texans being well. Yeah, you just saw the photo. So. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that's a good point. Well, sometimes we talk about bets, but we've just said there aren't any because the, the bookies are giving nothing away for the division win. So the only one I think Mark is recommending Carson Wentz for MVP. So uh, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> a long shot. It's a long shot, but look, he had 2017 MVP form. We've seen him do it with his in his head coach was his offensive coordinator then. So yeah. look. It's a fiver. Put a five on it at fifty to one. <laughs> yeah. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. I think it's one of the better outside bets for MVP. Well, that pretty much wraps things up for this week then. Uh where are we going to next week? Is it the NFC are we going South. to the NFC South next week? We are uh, indeed. Which will be hosted by Jordan, I believe, to my to my right, as we are now alternating hosting duties. Um so NFC South, that should be an interesting one. So uh Come back next week. We hope you enjoyed this week. We all had a good time. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant.